You're listening to Toolbox of the Trades, brought to you by Service Titan, a podcast for top service professionals where we interview leaders for their best tips and tricks of the trades. Learn how industry trailblazers stay ahead of the competition and how you too can be at the forefront of an industry. Let's jump in. Hello, contractors, and welcome to the Toolbox for the Trades. Today's guest is the founder of The Pink Plumber in Atlanta, Georgia, Jeff Gillen. Jeff's story was first told to me by his son, Andrew, who works with me at Service Titan. And to say that the story piqued my interest would be an understatement. Jeff started his plumbing business to supplement his income as an airline pilot. After transitioning to plumbing full-time, Jeff not only developed a monumental plumbing brand within a competitive market, but he also raised over a million dollars for breast cancer awareness while doing so. We chatted about what it was like to build and later sell a multi-million dollar plumbing company and also how Jeff managed to golf mostly every day of his career, and that's not an exaggeration. I really learned a lot from Jeff, and I'm not even a plumber. I think you'll find his story educational and inspirational. Enjoy. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Oh, good morning. I am so excited to talk to you today for a multitude of reasons. One, uh, in our pre-interview, I found that you were a very wonderful person to chat with, but also you have some connectivity with Service Titan. So can you tell those listening a little bit about uh, how you got the, the inside scoop into Service Titan's podcast program? Well, I think you're referring to this actual what we're doing right now rather than um, my first involvement with Service Titan. Is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah. So, so Andrew told me that... Um, uh, somebody was interested from Service Titan to talk with uh, other business owners and uh, would I be willing to share some things? And you called me and I would love to. <laughs> That's incredible. And just for anyone listening at home, Andrew is your son. Yes, he is. Yeah. And he works at Service Titan actually onboarding some of our larger clients, you know, people who have shops with over a hundred techs. So I'm super happy he made the introduction. Now that we thanked Andrew at the beginning of the podcast, let's go ahead and get started. Tell the folks how you got started in plumbing. Well, this goes back a long way, as you can probably tell. I have a little bit of an accent. I'm from Manchester, England. And when I was in England, I was actually working on a very large chemical plant, uh, working with large pipes. And um, I first came to America in 1978, and there was no big chemical plants for me to work on, and I wanted to stay and work, and uh, I knew that I knew a lot about smaller pipes, because that's what I had to do when I went to school. So I said, well, I can probably get by being a plumber, and so I answered an ad in 1978 to join Bob Seekin Plumbing in LA, and I worked there for a year, and I started to learn the plumbing. And then I did something really, really different. I, um, I decided I wanted to be a pilot. And so I would take my, the money that I was making and take lessons. And I uh, learned to fly a plane down at John Wayne Aviation. And actually, it's called Martin Aviation, but at John Wayne Airport. So I learned to fly and I, got a, I, I did all my ratings and certificates. And then I took a job down in the Virgin Islands. And I know we're kind of digressing here, but what happened is, is, I got a job in Atlanta with Delta, which I worked at for 12 years. And um, I don't know if you knew that. But anyway, um, when you first join an airline, I had two children. Andrew was one and Brittany was three. And uh, your first year's pay back in 19, oh, that would have been 88. 
my first year's pay as a first officer flying a plane out of Atlanta, Georgia was $23,000 a year. And Brittany was on the WIC program. We were getting food stamps. I mean, life was, was I, I was down to my last $300. So I said, well, look, this is not working. I, I got to start filling in because the one thing you do get as a pilot, you get, you get time off, you get 12, 14 days off a month. And so I said, well, look, I don't have a truck. So I'm going to go out and I had some flyers printed up that will look like $20 bills. And it said, $20 off your next plumbing bill. And every morning I had a day off, I would go in the car and I would pin them in Atlanta, Georgia, in the nice neighborhoods of Roswell and the nice areas. And I would spend from seven in the morning till six at night pinning these flyers on mailboxes, which is somewhat illegal, but I used to put them on the wooden post so I was not interfering with the mailbox. I know I'm going off a little, but this is how it started. And uh, after doing one day of putting out the flyers, so I didn't have money to start with. I just want everybody to kind of know that because you don't need it to get going if you really, really are intent on getting somewhere. And uh, the next day I would get two, three calls for plumbing and I would go in my car, the four-door sedan, it was a Hyundai, and I would park four doors down and walk to the neighbors because I knew they weren't going to like me coming in a car. They were looking for the plumbing truck and I, they would, the lady would answer the door and she'd look around and go, where's your truck? I said, oh, I parked down the way. I didn't lie to her. I just said, I parked down the ways, but what's the problem? And she'd tell me the problem and then we'd go and I'd fix the problem. Well, this went on for about six months and I realized I couldn't keep doing this on my days off without a truck. Well, I saw an old Ford Econoline pickup, uh, white van that was uh, for sale in one of the neighborhoods. And uh, I went in with my car and I said, would you do an exchange? And the car was worth more than the van, but I needed the van badly. So I said, look, uh, how about we do a straight exchange for the car? And, uh, and he did, because he had the better of it. But I, now I had a van at least, and then I started putting more flyers out on my days off. And then eventually I met somebody that did uh, direct marketing um, in the coupon little books. And so I said, you know what, direct mail might be the way to go rather than me get up three days a week and spend 12 hours a day pinning these flyers on. And she convinced me that she could get the same amount of calls. And it wasn't as lucrative, but I, instead of getting three calls, I might get one, but at least I didn't have to spend all that time. And so I went in the direct mail book and then I got to the point where I couldn't do the calls on the days that I was working, which was 12 days. So now I had to find a plumber that would fill those days where I was working and I couldn't get there. And so that was my first guy in the truck. Well, I was the first guy in the truck, but the second guy in the truck. And then I got to the point where I had three trucks running just from direct mail. And um, I'd been working, at, at now, now the time had been going on, and um, I was starting to get where I could keep three or four guys busy, and I had to make a decision. Is, is it going to be plumbing or is it going to be flying? And I was starting to, to uh, get better money. But the decision was that if I 
quit the flying, you, not like a doctor, you can leave one hospital and go to another. If you're a pilot, you go to the very bottom of the pile on that terrible schedule and that terrible pay scale. And so I really was in a dilemma as to whether to do the plumbing or do the flying. Now that was getting a little more money because I was getting like 60 then instead of 20. And so I said, you know what? I really, really think this plumbing, I can really, really take this. And um, just at that time, I, I'd met an Irishman who was also had four trucks. And we met each other in downtown Atlanta by accident. We were working close to each other. And I was worried he was going to, you know, like be upset I was in his territory type of thing. And I, I went over to talk to him only to find he was Irish and I could just got along great with him. And and so he said, you know, if you're interested in getting bigger, there's a guy down in San Diego, his name's Maurice Mayo, and he's very, very famous for teaching people how to get bigger. So he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to give you some of these tapes. And once you start watching these vi videotapes, you, you probably won't be able to put them down. And so um, I said, okay. And so I started watching them. And, and so I called Tom up and I said, boy, these are amazing, man. I want, to, I want to meet this guy. And he said, well, look, in two weeks' time, I'm flying to San Diego. And we're going to go to his big place down in San Diego. And it's all modern and class and it's just the guy is just an inspiration in the in the industry and uh, so I said well I'm going so I went down to San Diego with Tom and uh, he owned Mr. Plumber in Atlanta and it still exists today even though he doesn't own it but anyway I um, I was just absolutely like wow this is this is this is what I want to do and so I bought tapes for $2,200 and my wife was mad because, <laughs> because we really didn't have money to burn. We didn't. I, the money I was making with the guys was all going back. And uh, to some of the you that are out there that have got three or four trucks, you, and I'll go into this in a moment, you're not making money when you've got four or five trucks. When you had one truck, you were making more money or even two. But once you start getting in the five, six area, you're making less money because the overheads get more and now you're having to put in a girl in the office and you're having to hold parts and you're going to need a place to put them. And so things change. But anyway, once I met Maurice and did these videotapes, I, I was just, this, this was my ticket. This was my A to Z of what I needed to do and I could get there and I believed in it. And so I came back and, um, I still was doing the direct mail, and then I said, you know what, i got to do Yellow Pages. i got to do one of those little tiny eighth of a page ads, even if it's way above what I could afford. You just, i just got to do it. And to some people, if you are a little apprehensive, nervous, frightened of making a mistake, or you're in fear of going forward, this won't work for you. Now, can you learn to not have the fear? I think if you see what other people do, then you can get over that fear. But at that point, I, was, I had no fear and I was going to go forward. And so I, I bought the little ad and that helped keep some of those guys busy. Uh, we're still doing the direct mail. And then I went to a quarter page ad, to a half page ad, to three quarters, to a full page, to double truck ads. 
in the Yellow Pages, because at the time the Yellow Pages was big. And I, being from California like you are, there used to be a company uh, here, and they probably still are, is Ames, A-A-M-E-S, Ames Plumbing in California. And I believe they still exist, but uh, they were the biggest company here at one time in, in L.A. And um, A-A, so double A, so they're the first listed. Yeah, but that as obviously that changed as time went on, and we got to digital and and uh, internet, and we can go into that a little bit later. But uh, that's how I got to the point where I said, I need to make up my mind: is it going to be plumbing or is it going to be flying? And one day I was flying back from from Panama City in Florida, and I I just said to myself, "This is my last flight," and I flew in, and I put my badge and everything on the on the office desk and I said, guys, I'm done. See you. And I walked away and I never got in a plane again. Oh, but then, then it got, then it got to be where I had, okay, now I got to make this work because I'm here every day now. Well, I have a theory and I, and I, and Andrew brought this up and I know you wanted to ask some questions about that, but it's probably a good time to go into it now. I believe if you get to work at six 30 in the morning, if you haven't got your stuff done by 1130, probably not going to get it done because how many things need to get done if you do, if you can't get it done in five hours working out the day and what's going on around you you're spinning your wheels somehow i don't know but i always play golf every day at noon every day at noon i play golf even when i only had two trucks three trucks four trucks because i don't think and this is going to sound weird i just don't think work should be and I've still got friends right now in Atlanta, great friends of mine, and they still go to work at 6.30. They're 65, 70 years, so they go in at 6.30 and they stay till 7. That was never for me. I, I always felt like you go to work to earn money so that you can be with your family or enjoy things. Just to sit there and be there seven hours a day, to me, is mind-bending. I think you spin your wheels, and I think you become unproductive because you're yes. so bogged down with everything, you can't, you can't see outside. So I don't know if I went too far there, but that just kind of sums up how I got from, from where I was to get into the plumbing. And so here I was now with six, seven trucks. And, and so uh, I'll let you take it from here. I mean, that was a fantastic description of your journey. Uh, and I have so many things I want to touch upon. So essentially, you came to the United States from Manchester in the mid 70s. Mm -hmm. You um, along that way, you got into plumbing because it was aligned with the work that you had done back in the chemical plant. Like many folks, I will say, you got that inkling to fly. I actually find that a lot. Um, so just a little bit of background on why I do this podcast. My dad is a carpenter, so he had his own business when I was growing up. And he also had an interest in flying, but unfortunately could not because he's colorblind. Sorry, Dad, I didn't mean to blow up your spot there. What I thought was so fascinating was how opposed to a lot of people who I interview about how they started in their trade business, you essentially created your trade business as what some would consider now a side hustle. And so as you flew, and I'm so happy that you brought up how difficult the flying industry can be to pilots and that really you have to climb that ladder and starting on that such a low salary with two kids, I, I feel for you, that must've been so difficult. But you essentially, I mean, when I was talking with Andrew about your story, he was like, my dad was taking service calls while he was on the runway. I'm like, that is well, that, insane. Well, that is absolutely the truth. Um, 
if you all remember the back phones, I had a back phone where I would take the calls. And you have to remember, I'd spend all day the day before from seven in the morning till six at night putting flyers on people's posts on their mailboxes. If that phone rang for a plumbing call, it was so hard not to take it on the ground. If we're taxiing along and, and if, if the chief pilot would have found out, they would have brought me in and they wouldn't have fired me, but they would have said, this cannot happen. And I understand that. So I was taking a little bit of a chance, but we're just taxiing along. I'd take a call and I'd say, Mrs. Jones, I can call you back in two hours because I knew where I was going to be in two hours. And I would just hang up and I try to make it as, I wouldn't be asking questions and trying to book her address and stuff. I would just say, look, I'm very sorry. Can I call you back in two hours? I apologize. And then I would hang up and then I'd do my job. So I, I didn't jeopardize my safety, but by the same token, I did not want to give up those calls. And I think that's really interesting. And you, you talk a lot about, you know, choosing between flying and choosing between plumbing. And you said something when you were describing the Maurice Mayo tapes, which I want to get into because I've never heard of him before. And I, and I want to learn a little bit more about the logic that you applied to uh, what eventually became the pink plumber. But you said once you got those videotapes, you said, oh, this is what I want to do. So can yeah. you elaborate a little bit more on what this is, what that was for you? You mean the actual tapes and the content? You Yeah, you said like, this is what I want to do. And I took that to mean I want to grow a business. Oh, yeah. Was I create, Was I accurate in making that assumption? Yeah, because when you were at the three-day seminar, Maurice was, you can make a big company and be successful and be able to sell it in five, 10 years. And Maurice would, would leave no stone uncovered. He would take you from zero to one truck, and how to get to 100. And all the bits that were in there were advertising, trucks, flat rate pricing instead of hourly, because you can't do it with the other. Uniforms, uh, selling techniques of how to, how to give the customer good service, but at the same time, not do it for free. In other words, it's not okay to charge a lot and not give the customer something. But it's okay if you give them the very, very best to charge the right price. And most people, that's where that fear comes in. So I, I don't know what people that this is going to go to. And I thought they were actually going to be on here today. I'm not disappointed. I thought they were actually going to be asking me questions. Oh, so no, it's okay. We'll, it's try to, we'll try to fill in for them anyway. But, um, <laughs> you know, if, if, if you're frightened that, that in today's marketplace that you can do a job for $120 an hour, you will work till the day you die. And, I, and I'll give you a perfect example. This is, this is kind of interesting. I have a brother here down in Dana Point, and he is a one-man air conditioning company that um, is still in business today, and he's 68, and he's still working, and he still charges $120 an hour. And it's because he didn't factor in what it costs to do business in order for one day for him to retire. So just given your services at a, a price that's too low, will make the phone ring off the hook, but one guy can only do so many calls. So why, why would you want to do it for a price that's too low? And if you want to grow, you can't do it without the correct pricing. And so flat rate pricing is absolutely a must. And um, 
there's a lot of negativity from, from people like my brother who go, you know what, I'm still working every day and you're retired and I don't know what to do about it. And I said, well, 20 years ago, I told you that if you watched Maurice's tapes, which I gave him, you could have been retired now and sold the company. And his whole soul was, I can't find technicians. I, well, you know what? You can put fences and barriers up, but I can tell you now, for the people that are watching right now, whoever they are, you have to find a way to take fences and barriers down because they're going to pop up nearly every day in, in a small business. You're going to find things and you got to solve the problem and make it go away and keep pushing forward. Because yeah. if you're not pushing forward, I, I had, I had accountants and my lady in my office that was handling, uh, I'll never forget it, Nancy Webb. She, she would come in and cringe because we were struggling to pay the yellow page bill when I had eight trucks. And she said, if you spend one more extra dollar on advertising, as a matter of fact, you need to stop it right now because we can't afford to pay the bill two months from now. I'm telling you now, if you listen to an accountant, if you listen to the lady in the office or the man in the office that's handling your accounting and they say you're stretched way too far, it's time to put two more trucks on. I'm telling, you, I'm telling you it's the way it was done. Nancy would tell me this time next month we're going under and I won't be able to pay the bills. And I'm telling you now, if you listen to those people, you'll stay right where you are. And I don't know where it is today. It might be one truck, it might be 10, and it might be 40. But if you listen to those type of people, you will never get where you want to go. Because it's fear. And fear is a terrible thing. It, it, it inhibits any entrepreneur to listen to people. We went through the, I think you, you might even touch on it later, and I'm probably going off on tangents here, but in 08, when we had the recession, everybody, Nancy was the first one said, this is it, we've got to pull back now while we can. We, we, you know, not only now, and I said, well, let, let me do something first. And, and so I was dealing with uh, the radio station and, and my yellow pages at the same time. So I had them come in for a meeting, they had eight, trucks running and I said to them look everybody else is going to is falling apart here because of the the you know 08 and um I said now's the time for you guys to give me a better deal because I'm still with you and so I negotiated deals on my yellow pages and my radio all the all the car you know as everybody knows probably going back 15 years ago the radio was what we listened to because it wasn't the internet and everything was run by either politics in, in, a, in a voting year or it was car sales. And people were, were always on the radio for car sales. So they'd lost those. It wasn't a political year. Nobody was advertising. So I said, I'll tell you what, I want, I want guarantees that if I stay advertising with you now at a reduced rates, those rates stay with me when times get good. Mm. And I negotiated deals for three years for now, while I had, I don't want to say I had them over about, but they needed my money and they needed me to advertise. So I wanted something in, in return. So I upped my spending. And in 08, we went up 30% in volume in 08. 
Yeah. I hope you can believe it because look, you can't, as, as your, your plumbers know there, and I think we're only dealing with plumbers, you can't deal, you can't, you can't, you've got to have water and you've got to have a bathroom. Those are and things that are non-negotiable. They're non-negotiable and you got to have them unless yeah. we lose everything and then who cares? You know, but at that time, we went up 30% in volume because the fearful plumbers pulled back the reins and we started spending more at a reduced rate so I could see where I could go forward while everybody was pulling back and that would increase yeah. our volume and it absolutely did. I want to stop you there because this yeah, is actually, um, <laughs> no, no, no. You're my favorite type of interview. One more, I don't have to talk and I just get to listen <laughs> to all of your wisdom. I want to stop because this is what uh, we actually heard a lot of during, uh, you know, the wake of the coronavirus in the United States. We were doing a lot of webinars with uh, people who still own their business and a a lot of the advice we were saying is now is the time to double down on your marketing. Now is the time to talk with your vendors and negotiate deals because you know, it's just like you said, plumbing business is in a lot of ways recession proof. No one is going to go with their, without a toilet that's running. No one's going to go without hot water. These are essential services that we need. Mm -hmm. um, so I love that you did that also in 08. And I also really want to talk about what you said, which as I was, I was trying to summarize it in my head as you were talking about fear and how fearful holds you back. It's like face the fear and, you know, feel the fear and face it anyway. It sounds like ever since you first came to the United States, you were just struggling. Like you were just in being incredibly inventive. And, you know, you mentioned that your family, when you were a pilot, were on food stamps and there was, you know, you had so little money and, and budget was tight, but you never let that hold you back. And I, you've been very diligent about repeating that over and over again. So can you kind of elaborate on your whole mindset about fear and as it relates to a business owner a little bit more and what really folks right now <clears throat> maybe listening to this who may be experiencing fear, what you'd like to say to them? Does that make sense? Well, well fear is there. It, did, it wasn't not there for me, but I think if it stops you from thinking clearly and being able to move forward, then it becomes very detrimental. Fear was there for me. It wasn't that it wasn't there. It was, and I don't think I had a, um, a conscious feeling of, oh, the fear's there, I don't care. The, 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 it was more a situation of, yeah, I'm in fear, but if I succumb to the fear, then I'm just gonna go backwards and I'll finish up with nothing. Mm. And so it was more to me of, I'm fearful, but my, I think this is a better way to put it. The fear was there, but my wanting to push forward was greater and overcame the fear because it's there for everybody. There's no way somebody says there isn't any, unless they've got millions of dollars and they're just like, well, it doesn't really matter what happens to me. Well, when it is your bottom line and it is your only source of income, it is very, very, very concerning and f having a lot of fear. The problem is, is you just can't have it stop you from going forward. You need to know where you want to go. So let's just say you've got a guy right now that's listening or a girl that's owning a plumbing company and they say, look, I got two trucks, but I want to get to 10 and then I'm done. I'm okay with that. The fear will be from literally just saying, I've got to put the third truck on. And right now we really can't afford it. 
So I want to touch on something that helped get past that fear. And I, I, want, I want to, one of the things that happened was I signed up for American Express and I paid my bills with American Express so that I would get points and stuff. And that was kind of great for one in time. I know this sounds weird, but the, the thing with American Express was you could pay your bill off after 30 days. But doesn't that give you another 30 days? Isn't that a free month? It is. It is any way you want to do it. And this company was built on it. So I would be there and I would be saying, Nancy would be telling me, look, if you, if you don't stop, we're going to go under. And I'd go, well, that's because we're paying our bills right now. I wonder if I got a really strong credit card where there was no one. This is really key. You cannot have one with five, seven, 10, 18% interest rates. You go with somebody like American Express, and if you pay the day after, the day it's due, which is 30 days later, 28, call it 28 days, you pay the bill off. Isn't that a loan? That's kind of cool when you're in the banking, when you're in a, in a company that wants to grow. So, okay, so two trucks, let's just do the math real fast. You got two trucks, and each of them should be doing 700,000 a year. If you divide that by 12, you're getting that money as a loan for 28 days. Mm. You can really push forward when you've only got two trucks, when you don't have to pay that bill for 28 days. Now you've got money to spend. I know it's not a lot and it's 28 days, but if you're not being careless and you're going out and buying boats and houses, you've got 28 days of a loan and it doesn't cost you a penny. No interest, no nothing. So go to American Express, get yourself a card, start paying it off every 28 days if you've only got two trucks. Maybe you've already got an American Express card. But pay those advertising bills on American Express because when I, I sold two years ago, Mm-hmm. And, I, and actually, I'll pause real quick because you yeah. sold two, two years ago, which is really, I, I, that's one of the main reasons I wanted to get in and talk with you. But can you tell me where your business was in terms of how many trucks you had at the time that you sold? Well, real quick, our biggest hub was in Atlanta, Georgia. And this, I think this helps a lot for, for people who have got a fair size company because you can't do it. You, you can't go to another city when you've got 10 trucks. We had 40. Yeah. And so so now the pink plumber, and we haven't gone into it yet. No, we haven't discussed it yet. But because of the brand name that I felt I could take it across the country, I felt it was time for us to go into another city. And one of the reasons why I wanted to go into another city, and this is that same thought process as American Express, I was paying a lot of taxes in Atlanta and not so much to Atlanta, but the, to the IRS. And so I looked at it on paper with my manager who was with me when I had three trucks and I told him he will, we worked for the telephone company. Now he's the manager of the pink plumber in, in uh, Tampa, Atlanta and Dallas. And so cut a long story short, IRS was, was I was getting charged a lot of money that was going to the IRS. And I said to my guys, look, how about, and this is going to sound bizarre to your listeners. You have to understand as an owner, when you've got a large company, you'll get a salary and I don't care how successful the company is. 
you don't want it to lose money, but when you say you're losing money, the owner still gets his paycheck, okay? And if a company doesn't make any money, like Amazon and all these places, what do you think happens? There's more money for advertising because the company doesn't want to show a lot of profit because it doesn't want to give up all that money. So I said, look, if we're going to give them a lot of money, why don't we use that money to go to another city, buy trucks, advertising, and an office, and the company will show zero profits. Now, this is kind of says everything against business, but it didn't for me. Because as an owner, volume is what you're looking for when it comes to sell, because we're getting close to talking about selling. Uh, even though there's more, I, I know there's some more questions, but this is a great time to go there. I would rather show zero profits and be able to put 10 more trucks on in a new city and open up the pink plumber to another city. Got it. Okay. So you, you got me. I was like, I was following and I was nodding and now I finally got there. So as you got more profits from the pink plumber, instead yeah. of reporting those, and this was back when you were just in Atlanta, yep. instead of uh, just, you know, reporting that crazy profit that you got from the Maurice Mayo vid videos, from the lessons that you've learned as you're growing your business, you're like, you know what, instead of that, how about we take this profit and we use it to open up in a new city. And, and now we're just taxes to be paid and we're getting bigger. Because the goal, because the goal was to sell eventually. I, yeah. I'm 66 now, and the, the idea was I was going to work 25 years, and then I was going to sell, and I was going to retire. So, why do I want to show it really, really profitable at 40 trucks? I want to get to 100. And that's how many trucks you were at when you sold, correct? Pretty darn close. I, I don't know. They gave me. I don't think, I don't know that you want to even discuss that. I don't have a problem with it, but uh, yeah, they, they, um, we were doing $23 million a year. That's incredible. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and I want to get to the pink plumber too, because we haven't even talked yeah. about that wonderful branding play. A couple things that I, uh, that I, that I want to mention because they're worth mentioning. One, how many gray hairs did you give Nancy? Uh, poor Nancy Webb. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like she was just stressing out all the time. Oh, yeah. um, but, uh, you know, you also mentioned work-life balance. And this is another reason why I really wanted to talk to you. Uh, a couple of minutes ago, you know, maybe now 10 or 15 at this point, you mentioned how you went to play golf every day at noon. Yeah. Even when you, when you were, even after you left flying, yeah. even as you were going from 40 trucks. And you said something so great, which I feel like so many owners in this kind of culture, forget about, and it's about taking care of yourself. So can you just, before we go into how you became the pink plumber, can we just speak a little bit to the importance of work-life balance and why it's important to work to live and not to live to work? That's correct. It's very stressful when you only have $200 in the bank. And I think at first, when you get into your first four trucks, going to play was something I did just literally because it was part of my life and golf has always been a big part of my life. But I felt like if I, I could really, really get the job done and I wouldn't cheat myself at six o'clock, six thirty in the morning, I'd be at work and I would literally feel like there were 20 items on my desk of things that I had to solve that day. 
and one side crossed them off correctly and not just cheated on them and got them all done, what is there to do? You, you know, they have a great saying and it's true, hire the right people and get out of the way. And it is absolutely true because I took a manager and I, I was just a plumber. I, was, I, I wasn't this, you know, businessman. I, I wasn't a businessman. I was just a regular Joe Blow guy that had never been in business before. So to learn the accounting, not, not be a, an accountant, but just understanding, you've got to have an understanding of profit and loss and balance and all that balance sheets and stuff. You've got to, you've got to understand that. You've got jobs that you've got to do during the day. And if you feel like, and I want to bring this up because you just brought it up. How did you get to go play golf? Well, guess what? If I'd have got a call at 11 o'clock in the morning and I didn't have any other trucks to go and a lady called and said she had a leaky water heater, I'd have still been there today. I'd have still been there with those five guys, six guys, because now I'm not doing my job. I'm actually out in the field. And at the time I talked to you about with all this um, talking with different plumbing owners, even as late as five years ago, some of those guys were still going out on the job to do the job because maybe they'd lost a technician. You can't think that way. So you get your jobs, got to be done, and at that point, it's time to break away, call at 6 o'clock, and find out how you did at yeah. night. And then work out. And you know what? I'd get a couple of calls on a bag phone when I was playing golf, and I'd just try to fill in, and I'd go, you know what? This is what we need to do, and I'm talking now to somebody that's maybe a lead plumber. This is what you need to do, and we'll sort it out here later this afternoon, and I'll call you at 5. Or we're going to do this in the morning. It can wait. As long as the building isn't burning, as we say, it's true. And so, and then I would, I would come back a little more refreshed when I got up in the morning because I'd had some relaxing time and some laugh and joking and, and fun and, and got away from it. And I think you get to see the outside better. When you get involved from six in the morning till seven at night, you never get out from under. You can't yeah. see you can't see what's going on when you get too deep. Yeah. I think that's so important to say. So I hope whoever's listening, whether you're at one or two trucks, five or six, 10 plus, that you yep. take time today to find the one thing that really brings you joy and refreshes you. So I thank you for elaborating on that. I love that so much. Okay. So um, you mentioned back in LA that uh, there was a company called Ames Plumbing. And to my understanding, Ames Plumbing was the first name that you adopted for what eventually became the Pink Plumber. Now your company, Ames Plumbing, you started that in Atlanta, right? Yeah. Okay, so talk to me a little bit. And when you were Ames, how many trucks did you have at that point? Uh, well, I started with one as Ames, me in it. And uh, as a matter, oh, you might have seen it somewhere here. There's a picture of me in the first truck somewhere around. <laughs> oh my gosh, you can actually send that to me, and I would love to include it on the website for this uh, okay, for this episode. I'll do it. So, yeah, um, yeah um, we I opened up in Atlanta as Ames because the company was so successful in California. I said to myself, you know what, I want to be close to the front because then there was AAA. Yeah, and, and so double A didn't get you at the front, but it did pretty good at getting me at the front. And Ames was so successful in California, I called the state, and Ames was not registered with the state of Georgia. So I said, "I'm taking the name." 
And so, actually, there was some funny people making fun. Oh, you're going to be this big plumbing company. And I, there was me in this one truck with one white old truck. That, that van was 10 years old that I, that I drove around. And I, and I, you know, eventually could afford one of those stick-on things and put it on there. For, and so that was Ames. And then we started to grow. Got it. And at what point did you decide to rebrand from Ames? And can you tell me a little bit about that story oh, and how I that came to be? So, so, so I, I think I told you I was advertising with uh, Cox Communications, which was um, TV and radio. Mm-hmm. And now I had uh, probably 10, 12 trucks. And I was advertising on the radio and on TV little the cheapest little bookends you could find that that they, that they call them and um, so cut a long story short i would go to cox communications with my sales rep and i said you know i need something different that makes us stand out and we 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 talked for two years he said well how about we put a li- little red flashing light on the top of the truck. Well, the DMV didn't like that. They didn't want anybody having a flashing red light on it unless it was an emergency vehicle. So that didn't work. And we went round and round in circles trying to see. And I, I was in my office and one of the plumbers came up to me and he says to me, Mr. Gillen, why don't we put a little pink ribbon on our uniform so that when we go in and make a $500 donation to breast cancer awareness, and that will probably make the customers feel more comfortable, break down some of the fears that people have when a plumber comes to your home. And I'm not joking, life as I knew it changed in a split second. Ken was standing in front of me and I closed my eyes And I remember Mary Kay with the Cadillacs and them being very pale pink, the lightest pink you could find in a car. And then I said to myself, all the trucks, not in a gaudy way, but classy pink. And all the technicians in gray uniforms would, and how about we donate 10,000 a year to breast cancer research? And how about all the advertising and in a, in a moment's flash, the suggestion of a pink ribbon on my technician's uniforms. I said, Ken, that's amazing. And I went into the office and I called in my manager, Tom, and I said, Tom, I got it. I've got it. I said, all the trucks are gonna be absolutely glossy, beautiful pink, and we're gonna start giving to breast cancer research. My mother had double mastectomy, and so I said, you know what? This is a way to give back. It's a way to separate ourselves. And Tom said to me, Jeff, please don't do this. We've worked so hard. We've worked so hard. Don't do this. This is a big mistake. And I said, and here's that fear thing again. This is when Nancy was telling me, don't do this. Don't put three more trucks on. Don't spend more money on advertising. This is a fear thing. Tommy, as good as he is today, and he's still an absolutely fantastic manager, He says to me, don't do this, Jeff. You're really, really going to throw everything away that we've done. I said, I tell you what, Tommy, how about we do this? How about 
we change all the trucks to the beautiful glossy. What's it going to cost me for 10 trucks to be? And they're wrapped, you know, they're not done with paint. I, I said, what does it cost you to wrap a truck? He said, $3,000. So I said, I got 10 trucks, $30,000. That's the most I'm going to lose. And I have to turn it back, the clock. And he said, well, it's not only that, Jeff. He said, but the name, you're going to change the advertising to the pink plumber. And I said, all right. And I remember I told you earlier on about taking fences down. Mm -hmm. He had a good valid point, but I wanted mine. So I said, in order to solve this problem, why don't be, we be Ames plumbing the pink plumber mm. in our advertising? That way we don't have to give up our name Ames. People still can find us and we can be Ames the pink plumber. Ah. So for, for days and days and days, try to convince me not to do it. Huh. And I said, we're going to do this because I got vision and I can see this. Can you imagine the separation trucks going down the road? You won't be able to miss them. And they'll be like billboards. And we have these big pump trucks, these massive big $250,000 big pump trucks for doing sewer cleanouts and stuff. They're massive. I said, all those pump trucks he said, Jeff, the, the, the pump drivers won't drive a pink truck. They're just going to give up. And I said, no, I think once they realize that they can sell better when the customer realizes that they're doing good in the community. And to this day now, we've surpassed a million dollars to breast cancer research. Yeah. That is not insignificant. That is incredible. So I, feel, I feel like we've given back. We grew. And it worked for everybody. It didn't just work for me. Yeah, it worked for me. But giving back is a big thing in the community. And I couldn't think of a better way to do it. And that happened in 2007. So I started in 89. Call it 90. So it took, uh, took 17 years before it changed from Ames. And here's the thing that I think your viewers will find amazing. I said to my, 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 my manager, Tom, I said, look, Tom, we're just using this as Ames, the pink plumber. I said, you can never give up Ames. This, I've worked so hard and you've worked so hard and this is my baby. And it is. I, you look at your company like a baby. And I said, I'm not giving up the name Ames. Ames is going to stay with us forever. And in six months, nobody asked for Ames. They wanted the pink plumber. Yeah. And it was gone. The name Ames was gone in six months. It never, ever came back. Nobody ever calls and says, oh, it's Ames the Pink Plumber. No. Oh, the Pink Plumber. We want the Pink Plumber. And That's incredible. Yeah. It's just, uh, it, was, it was a phenomenal story. And, um, uh, you know, it, 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 it changed everything at the company. And the company doubled in size in five years. I think that's so important. And, um, you know, I've talked about branding a lot. Uh, I've had done a webinar with Dan Antonelli, who does a lot of branding and different trucks and stuff. And I feel like when you see a lot of one person trucks, you see a lot of like the double A or triple A or Ames, or you see yeah. their name, like say it's a two buddies name, like Tom and Bill T and B plumbing. And it's like, well, what right. does that mean? But the minute you get that branding push and mm -hmm. that name recognition, and I think you hit it on the head is 
those the trucks become giant billboards you can't yeah. miss them yeah. i can only so at that time when you went from ames plumbing you said you were at 10 trucks and so i assume you only had that one location in atlanta is that correct oh yeah but once you became the pink plumber you right. created a branding that was memorable mm-hmm. that gave back to the community mm-hmm. and also created a sense of safety you know you touched upon it a little bit but you know the I should say the negative stereotype that that yes. goes along with a lot of plumbers. Right. You now created this. You now created this behemoth of a brand that was able to spread out all across. It sounds like the southeast. Essentially, you mentioned you had a Dallas location, a Tampa location. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you also your your uh, Thomas also said that you know the guys aren't going to drive pink trucks. Can you just speak a little bit to what the response was to your technicians so at first? So the first response was, hell no, we're not going to drive these trucks until the first week had gone by and their sales went up so high. Ugh. And now they all wanted them. That's we great. Only did, I think I only did it with one. Uh, we, we, had, uh, we had a couple of pump trucks working, and I just got one guy who was really sharp guy and very clean cut and really looked like a business guy and not a uh, pump truck driver. And um, he said, let me see this. Let me just see if I can make this work. And his sales jumped up so high because everything had gone away with the, cons- the customer. He, they would ask him questions and he'd said, yeah, we're donating to breast cancer research and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, everything went away and there was no fear tactics and, and, and his sales went up. And the next guy said, I'm in too. And it just never stopped there. Every one of them wanted a pink truck because it takes down some barriers and it's true. And I'd, look, this is not the only Look, this is, you can turn around and go, look, this is the only one time that this could work this way. No, it's not. If you come up with your own idea, you come up with something different, it'll work as long as you put your foot down and make it work. And I believe that's true. So I love exactly what you did with the pink plumber. And I think that is an incredible lesson from what you've told me. And I I always wish these conversations could go on forever because I know there are so many like tidbits of knowledge that you could give to my listeners. And I just, I would love to know, so you mentioned you sold two years ago. So we're 2020, so that was 2018. So from the rebranding to the pink plumber to 2018, where, when you sold, can you talk specifically about any other things that you really focused on besides, you know, going into new cities? Did you ever consider, by the way, going multi-trade or did you always want to stick with plumbing? Well, I actually did. I, um, for a few years there, I, uh, I opened up the air conditioning side, uh, and um, this was uh, midway with the pink plumber, but I always felt like I was not part of that trade, and so I wasn't brought up in that trade. And so I had uh, two guys working in air conditioning trucks in Atlanta, and I think I kind of succumbed to the fact that the pink plumber was growing so fast. Why did I really want to? jump into another trade even though it worked for about three years and it just ne- i could never get to the point where i would have a manager that would come from a really strong company that would say okay i'm going to run with this and build it for you and i'd give him a piece of you know the action and it just never i, I think that was me more me because if i wanted to i could have done it but i felt like we were so busy growing 
with the pink plumber. It it just seemed to get in the way, if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. I just said, you know, I don't want to deal with this now. And um, we just let it go. We just let it fall down. And we kept on getting calls. And I sold them to one of my competitors and just said, look, uh, you know, give me 20 bucks a call or something on air conditioning calls and just let it go because I'd spent a lot of money on advertising and stuff. But so that, that I did venture a little. Uh, I think in today's market now, being able to provide all services is key because the big companies now are buying up companies in their little part of companies. They want to give service to everybody where they've got the air conditioning, the electrical and the plumbing. And so um, today's, not to somebody that's got five trucks, but if somebody's got 50 trucks, you want to utilize the advertising you're spending on the plumbing to do the air conditioning because now you've tapped into another form of revenue that you already paid the advertising for. So, you know, there'd be times that this is something I think you should, we, we're talking about advertising again, but, but it's so massively key. I'm going to throw a number out there that I don't think most of your li- listeners will understand. Tell me, believe. try and stump them. In nearly every year, I was paying 23% of my volume was going to advertising. That's just off the charts. Most people right now, like when this company bought me, they're only letting my guy spend 9%. But mm-hmm. I was at 23. Well, guess what? The company hasn't grown in two years because they want profits. And, they, and they're really profitable. They're doing 17% net profit right now. That's but incredible. Yeah. But I didn't want that. I wanted the growth. I wanted to take the pink plumber across the country. And so if there's one regret, look, I, 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 I got a big check from these people. But what I, the only regret I have is that I wanted to do it with a company. And they did say they were going to do it. But it, it, it's not what they wanted. I found out later. The only regret I've got is I didn't get to see the pink plumber go across the country. They had no vision to build it. They couldn't see that it was special. They just said, okay, it's making, uh, now it's making 17% were profitable because they've got shareholders and all that stuff. They, these big, it's the biggest company in, in America bought, bought me. Uh, That's incredible. In, in care. So um, cut a long story short, they had no vision to take it like I had. So my only sadness is that the pink plumber is not going to go across the country and they have the sole rights except I kept uh, California, so I could open up here if I really wanted to. You know, it's, 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 I'm kind of running out of steam a little bit, but um, but anyway, enough of that. No, I mean, I think it's I think it's fair to say, and I think I appreciate your honesty and your transparency about it. Um, and I would actually love to get to the point now of selling. Uh, Cause you know, you mentioned that the one, you know, you were very clear. It sounds like from the beginning that I want to build a profitable business that's a tra- that people will want to buy so I can retire. So knowing that you had that goal in mind from when you first took those Maurice Mayo tapes, right? Mm-hmm. When did you make the conscious effort to start thinking about, all right, what's the next iteration for the Pink Plumber? So can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. so the Pink Plumber had grown now to a pretty good size where we were doing, I think the very first time I met this gentleman, so I played golf uh, and I was actually an absentee owner, if that makes any sense. I, when I only had, uh, when we were doing 
oh, I don't know, $10 million a year. I lived in Sarasota, Florida, and we didn't have a, a, uh, an office in Tampa at the time. I just lived, and, and seven years before, I'd lived down in, in San Clemente, Dana Point, because I always didn't think that I needed to be there every minute of the day. It's just the way I've been. So I know there's one side of the people are looking going, look, he went from absolutely 300 bucks to 20 million. How do you do that when you're not there all the time? Well, you hire the right people and you instruct them about what you want and what you need and train them. Yeah, systems and processes, manuals. So, so the question now remains is, is, how did I get to selling? Well, I was playing golf in Sarasota and I met this wonderful man, Doug Trottier. And at the time, the value on the company was $4 million. And so I was like, hmm, $4 million. This is a good chunk of money right here. And, I'm, and when I first met Doug, that was, uh, so I was 55. And Doug was like, look, market's good. I've got a buyer for you. And we went to sit in front of him. And we sat in front of 10 others over a three-year period. Oh, all the time, remember, I was spending 23% of my volume on advertising, and that company went from 5 to 8 to 10 to 15 to 20. And all the time, I was still with Doug, and he's like, come on, man, time's right. And so a couple of times, I, I got offered like 8, and I was uh, – what, what made a big difference was is Andrew – had not come full circle yet through the company. I'd put him uh, as a plumber in, in Tampa and, and made him work with the plumbers in Atlanta. I put him in dispatch and through the phones and eventually, and I hope this doesn't hurt him, but I, I, want, I was training him to take over. Yes, he did and mention that when I spoke to him. Yeah, he was, he, I was training him to take over. And at the point when people were offering me eight, the reason I didn't was because I thought Andrew was so close to just turning around and going, okay, I got this. And went to business school in St. Pete. And, and all of a sudden, um, I just got this feeling it, it wasn't for him. It's not what he wanted. He didn't want to be like his dad. And I love that about him. And now he's really happy in his job. And I'm so glad he is working for Service Titan. But at the time, I thought he was going to. And so I kept putting it off while the company kept on growing. And eventually, it takes over a year to when somebody offers you a really good deal for it to come to fruition. And so three years ago, I don't know why, but your, your people will be probably happy to know that over the last 25 years, plumbing companies, EBITDA, which is what you get left with after your taxes and you add some things back, you are normally getting four times earnings. Three years ago, the economy was so strong, I got off at seven. And so, seven times earnings. And so, I felt it was impossible not to take this off the table and just retire. And so, yeah. it was a very long process in getting me to the point where I was comfortable and saying yes. And then it takes another year for all the stuff and due diligence to go through. Got it. And I mean, I, I assume that, so it sounds like there was a lot of things you had to take into consideration. One, you had a potential heir to the business if it wanted yeah. to be multi-generational. Yeah. Two, you wanted to find a buyer that would not only give you a good deal, but would give you a good deal that it sounds like would justify you not taking Pink Plumber 
you know, across the country. Well, no, uh, I, didn't, I didn't know that, love, because if they had um, told me we are not taking this across the country and we might even consider closing down one of the cities because we don't like it and we're not going to move forward, I would have said no. I would have said no there and then because once we developed these three cities and they were growing so fast, I knew that it could go across the country. But I was, I was told it was going to happen and it didn't. Mm, that's a bummer. Um, yeah. So that, that's my only, um, I told you before, that's the only sad part for me because what a success story. And, um, and, and so that process happened and it was time for me to get out. Yeah. Uh, I get it. I get it. It, it's, it has to be bittersweet for sure. Cause at yeah. one end you, 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 you achieved what you set out to do. You created a very sellable business. You made great money for, you made a great living for your family yeah. and for yourself. You know, I'm you had fun. Managers. Yeah. You had fun. You played golf around along the way. You, yeah. you know, you created awesome employees, but yeah, I get it. I totally get it. We talked about so much stuff and honestly, this conversation flew by, which is my favorite type. Yeah. Is there anything that we should have talked about in terms of your story, in terms of lessons that you would like to impart upon fellow contractors that we haven't well, I did about. want to ask that. I did want to ask that. I don't know whether I'm only uh, talking to service plumbers or to new construction plumbers because they could be both. You are talking to literally every service entrepreneur out there. Oh, so you could be oh. talking to an HVAC guy, you could be talking to an electrician, oh. you could be talking to a garage door guy. I see. So you're talking okay. to everyone. Yeah, but 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 there's a difference between uh, service plumbing and uh, and contractor plumbing. We and do I, um we do definitely like contracting plumbing is definitely also in our in our base so yeah. in our listener base. Yeah, well, there's so many forms of advertising. There's only one thing that makes a business grow, and that's advertising. And you got to find the formula that's the least expensive for the amount of exposure you're getting. Let me put it to you this way, and I, this will not be news to anybody that's listening. Well, it might be to the, to the two-truck, three-truck guy. You could turn around and say, okay, I'm going to borrow a million dollars. I'm going to spend it on advertising, and now I've got enough room for 15 trucks, and you've only got two. Oh, well, that doesn't work that way. It's got to work. And that, that American Express thing works like that. You, you get 30 days of of, of advertising that you spend extra to keep and then you can put two more trucks on and guess what then the next month you, you get you put another truck on so you increased your volume and now i paid it back in 28 days and i can put another one on well think about it if you could put on a truck once every two months once every three months you'd start growing and that volume is what's the key volume cures all and by volume you mean I mean calls. that the more volume, the more calls, the more advertising, the company gets bigger and it doesn't have to be profitable at first as long as the owner can get his salary. Don't look for profits. Look for growth. Profits will come later. Get enough to live on and live well. But you don't have to make massive amount of money. Turn it back into the country. What you're trying to take out extra, you'll grow 10 times. So it's costing you. That's the way I used to look at it. It's costing me when I take, look, if, if we were doing $2 million in business, and I remember it well, with four trucks, now that'd be pretty close to eight. When you have eight trucks, if you're taking 
massive amount of money out of the company. Yeah, it's not growing. You're living really well, but the company, not only is it not growing, you're not making money. You're making your money, you're taking it out, you're paying a ton of taxes. The key is to take enough to make your family well and not buy boats and fancy cars. No, it's true in houses and places of recreation or whatever, a house somewhere else. Keep turning the money back into the company and eventually you'll get to the point where you surpass that money by a hundred times. Oh, absolutely. It's the truth. That's great, great advice. And also I will say your very key caveat in that, as long as the owner makes a salary. Well, of course you have to yes. live. You, as long as you're taking, if you can't just pay yourself and the company just breaks even, now we've got a problem. Now that happens in the early part. But I told you I was robbing Peter to pay Paul, and that's a fact. Yeah. There was times where we were short, and I would either use a credit card or use something else. But the one thing we're going to do is, is we're going to go up. Got it. That's it. Um, I certainly appreciate your time. I have a couple rapid-fire questions yeah. that, I, that I'd love to yeah. ask you. Okay, okay, ready? Yeah. How do you take your coffee? Cream and sugar. If you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh my word. Um, I could say Einstein, but everybody would think of that. Um, Jesus. <laughs> Love it. What's the number one thing you're trying to learn more about right now? I've started doing some drawings. So, and I didn't do them till I, from when I was 15, but I've started to do some drawings. I love it. Like sketching? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. If money weren't an object, uh, so you had unlimited resources, what's the first thing you would do? Uh, well, I have that now. So. <laughs> so be a guest on this fantastic podcast. Okay, yeah, got it. But, but, but right now, I, I actually am not doing anything different than I did when I had two trucks. I play golf four days a week and enjoy my wife. And we used to travel a lot, but that stopped. So, um, but I'm very comfortable and happy. That's awesome. So I don't, I don't crave to do something that I've never done before. I, I, I'm very comfortable where I'm at. And that's because you've prioritized doing your stuff and not waiting for it's the perfect opportunity. Right. Final question. What's the number one thing every contractor should do to run a successful business? Oh, we never talked about this. So I met that guy, the Irish guy, and he put me on to Maurice Mayo. I came back to Atlanta, and once I started to grow, I contacted six of the top plumbing companies in Atlanta. And we went out for lunch every two weeks. Every two weeks in Atlanta, we went and we had two hours, sometimes three hour lunches. And we would never talk about pricing. We never talked about fixing. We talked about bad plumbers. How much are we paying for insurance on trucks? How much are we buying our trucks for? How much are we spending on advertising? We would sit and talk for hours. And remember the manager, Tom? He told me, yeah. We can't be doing this. We're sharing everything with everybody. Well, guess what? You're not actually sharing. You're learning. You're learning, and I learned so much from the guys that were bigger than me about what I was paying the technicians, how I was paying them. Knowledge is wealth, and without it, you have nothing. So to communicate with people in your industry, just like they want to bounce things off me, Find people where you live right now in the same industry and call up the owner. And I tell you what, they can't wait to tell you stories. 
it just goes with the territory. People will say, well, why do I want to go to lunch? He won't tell me anything. Yeah, well, you know what? Buy him a beer. He'll tell you everything. It's true. I love it. It's no, I'm, I'm so happy we circled back on this. because yeah, uh, I remember I, it in the list, yeah. I just feel like it is really important. I know there, you know, we can be really tight-lipped around competitors, but it's so true. That's one of the reasons I started this podcast is I want to give these lessons out there because mm -hmm. the more you learn from other people, the more you network, the more successful you'll be. Um, a rising tide lifts all boats. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Jeff, I want to thank you again for your time. Okay. I, I, this conversation completely flew by and I, it, what a wonderful way for me to kick off my work week talking okay. with someone like you. So thank okay. you so much. You're welcome. All right. I hope you have enjoyed the rest of your summer and I will keep you in, posted when this comes out. Okay. All right. Thank you for being a guest on Toolbox for the Trades. Okay. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. Bye. Ever wonder how much your business is worth? So many owners ask that question and have no idea where to turn for an answer. In just a few clicks, Service Titan's new Service Business Valuation Calculator can give you an easy and free estimate of the current value of your business. Whether you're thinking about selling your company or looking to track growth, check it out now. Visit servicetitan.com slash value. Again, that's servicetitan.com slash value. See how much your business is worth today. Want to network with fellow service entrepreneurs and former guests of this podcast? Join our private Facebook group, Toolbox for the Trades, to get immediate access to the best tips, tricks, and tactics from fellow service entrepreneurs. Visit facebook.com slash group slash toolbox for the trades, or click the link in our show notes to join. See you online.